Revelation. The book of Revelation. Chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> you might say, wow, we went through 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, Jude. Now are we starting through Revelation? No. We're just here today, okay? And unless the Lord directs otherwise for next week. But Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are messages to um, the leaders of the churches of Asia Minor at this time. And God um, recorded them for us, for our learning and admonition. And we want to look at his exhortation to the church at Ephesus today. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice today that we have your word, that we can gather together and meet and read your word, that we can read your word at in our own leisure, that we can have access to the eternal Word of God, and then that you've given to each believer your spirit to be our personal instructor and make application of your Word. And Lord, we just appeal to you now and to the ministry of your spirit to really open our eyes to our own hearts Make application of truth to our hearts individually today. And then, Lord, empower us to be doers of your word. I just ask for your direction personally. And, Lord, may you be glorified as we commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. We know that God designed marriage to illustrate his relationship of Christ and the church. And um, it is uh, such an important aspect of God's design and, and the value that he placed upon his relationship with us and the value that he placed upon marriage to illustrate that. And yet, 
um, sad to say, all too often, um, in our relationships, we don't portray that. I've, I've often said that um, God really put me in doing what I do because he knew I needed all the help that I could get in being reminded. For example, this last week on, on um, different occasions, I'm challenging a couple. What have you done to show your wife or show your husband that you love them? And God knows that I need that reminder over and over again. Because it's easy to just get where you take things for granted. You know, I think um, um, we've all we all like to see the the joy and the delight and the um, exhilaration of a newly married couple. There's always these. I'll just call them dirty birds that come up to someone before they get married and and say, well, you're signing your life away or kiss the best years of your life goodbye. I mean, it's they might as well just write on their forehead, I'm a loser and you're going to be one too. You know what I'm saying? Because God didn't intend marriage to be that way. And just because you're flunking at it and you don't know what love is, doesn't mean it's going to be that way with everybody else, all right? So next time someone comes to you and says something like that, or you just give them that, loser, you know, you say, that's not, that's the truth, you know? Is God saying to someone getting married, um, oh man, put the ball and chain on your ankle now, you're done for now. No, God designed it to illustrate great things. And yet, many times, we carry out the responsibilities of our marriage, and we do the right things, generally speaking, but we really aren't manifesting love one to another. Now, I'm going to say, and I'm not incriminating anyone, and I'm not saying, and I don't think this... Here's just a scenario, okay? I I know Blake and Mallory well enough that I don't think I'm embarrassing them. Look at them. They're sitting there. They're cozy. He's got his arm around her. And some of you, yeah, they've only been married six months or so. Just wait and tell. Just look around here, you know. Seriously. This is what we're talking about, the first love. And to keep it in a marriage, you really have to work at it. Because what happened? Kids come along, and then it's dad, kid, mom. Then dad, kid, kid, mom. And, and pretty soon it's, are you over there? I don't even care if you're over there. Just take care of these little brats that we got here, you know. And it's like... You're running in all these separate worlds, and it's like, really? 
Yes, I do love you, but have I lost my first love? And this is what Jesus is addressing to the church at Ephesus. He said, I know you people, I know you're active, you're hardworking, you're busy serving God. You've had perseverance. There have been things that have come into your life that have blown other people out and, and they've quit their faith, but no, it hasn't you. And you keep going in spite of difficulty. And Jesus said, I know you. I know you don't tolerate wicked men and those that have claimed to be um, apostles of mine, you've tested them and found that they were false, those that were. Um, you haven't compromised the truth. You have been through some very difficult times, and the church at Ephesus had been through some hard times. And you've come out the other side, and you still are serving God. You've endured hardships for my name and not have grown weary. And in spite of perhaps many years of difficulty, this church was still serving God. But then God says in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. We get in our minds that well, the first love is bound to disappear because it's the first love. But God is saying, no, this first love is something that should be foremost in our relationship with him. And, and the, the message today is not about our marriages. Uh, we use that to illustrate and, and it, it ought to awaken us. I need to do what's necessary to return to the first love in my marriage. But do you understand the most important thing in life is that we love God? What is the greatest commandment of all? He said the first and great commandment of all is that we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength. And the church at Ephesus was doing good works, but not out of love for Him. He's not interested in what we do. He's interested in our love. That means that, I'm not saying you can go, we can go do whatever we want, but we can do the right things without having a heart of love for Him. In fact, works without love, He said here, is enough that I will come and remove the candlestick from Ephesus. What He meant by that is, when I see followers of me just doing the things that they're supposed to do, but they've lost their first love, He said, I'll come shut down the church. That's how serious he takes this. You think about it. If he takes it that serious, and if he says the first and greatest command, bottom line, when we stand before God as believers, we stand before God, and do you understand, we're going to give account 
for how we have loved Him. It's not, did you do this, did you do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. It's going to be, have I loved God? And he's writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, in man's eyes, you, would, you are a good church. But he said, I have this problem with you. You're sitting a long ways from me. We don't share this fellowship together. We don't have this oneness of heart. We don't have this intimacy, this relationship. And he says, I want you to remember from where you have fallen and repent and come back to your first love. Our heart's desire today is that every one of us would be drawn to love God more today than we did yesterday. That every one of us would take a, a serious look at our life and say, wait a minute, I need, to, I need to step up here. As I mentioned this last week, just me saying, what have you done to show your wife that you love her, made me stop and think, okay, I need to step it up here. It's easy for me to take my wife for granted. It's easy for me to take things for granted. And I need to step it up here. What we need to do today is to examine our life and say, God, how am I doing in loving you? Evidences that I have lost my first love for the Lord. Number one, and and we'll list ten of these, and then we'll quickly list what to do about it. When my delight in the Lord is no longer as great as my delight in someone or something else. See, he said, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart. Our heart is what we delight in. When my delight in the Lord is no longer as great as my delight in someone or something else. You know, there's no conflict here. You might say, well, I thought I'm supposed to love my wife. You're right, but you're supposed to love God more than your wife. Well, where's that put my wife? That will elevate how you take care of your wife and how you love your wife. It will, it will motivate you more because there will be times if you don't love God right, you can't love your wife right and vice versa. Husband or wife. There will come times that the only thing that will motivate you to do what is right is your love for God. And if the love for God isn't right, ain't nothing right. That's what God's saying here. You're doing all this stuff, but he said, this is about a relationship. And when my delight in the Lord is no longer as great as my delight in someone or something else, I've left my first love. Secondly, when my soul does not long for times of rich fellowship in God's Word or in prayer, we are to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, and all our soul. When my soul 
does not long for times of rich fellowship in God's Word or in prayer. When's the last time truly your soul, man, you know what? I, I just really need a fresh word from God. I need to get alone with God. I, I just need to push the pause button here. You know, we, we need to be in the habit of doing that daily, but it ought to be not just a habit. God, I want to hear from you. Someone you love, you want to be with. You want to spend time together. And, and as uh, a couple gets married and they spend this time together and, and uh, children come along and the responsibilities of life, when they truly love each other, there's a longing that says, hey, we need to find a babysitter. We need to do something. We, we just need, I, I want to be alone with you. I want to spend time with you doing whatever. Same is true with God. When my soul does not long for times of rich fellowship in God's Word or in prayer. Thirdly, when my thoughts during leisure moments do not reflect upon the Lord. This deals with our mind. Love the Lord our God with all our heart. What I delight in. My mind, my thoughts... When my thoughts during leisure moments do not reflect upon the Lord. You say, come on. Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're a preacher. That's all you have to do is think about God. Well, you're a person. So all you have to do is think. No, I got to go to work. God, thank you that I can get up today that you've given me strength to go to work. Thank you for this car that I'm getting in. God, wow, look at God, the sun's coming up. Thank you. I, I remember uh, a young man came to know the Lord, and, and uh, in, in his first love, he worked road construction, and he said, Pastor, I've just got to tell you, the other day we were out working road construction and the sun was just coming up. And he said, man, I just thought, wow, that's like the eye of God. God is on me today. You understand during his leisure moments or his work moments, he was seeing God. This isn't how God intended the Christian life. Sunday morning, 9.30 to 11.30, or whenever the preacher gets done, you think about God. And Sunday night, 6.30 to whenever he gets done, you think about God. And, whoa, whoa, I'm really going overboard. Wednesday night, too. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We'll put in here. Um, in the morning, I'll have a little time with God here every day during the week if I'm a really good, strong Christian. And then, I, then I'm off to life. I've asked God to bless me. That isn't what it's about. It's about a oneness. It's about sharing together. It's thinking on this. I, I've shared with couples before and, and share this often with we as men. This is our deal, you know. So let's say we actually, we actually 
set aside time and we're we have going on a date and we get in the car and we say, Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. I don't care. Oh, let's go out to eat. Where do you want to go out to eat? I don't know. I don't care. Well, I don't care either. Where do you... Well, I like this. Okay, well, go there. That's better than nothing. But if you take the time and as husbands, I said this wasn't going to be on marriage today, but we just always work it in, okay? If you say, you know what? A week from Friday night, I want to take my wife on a date, so I'm going to call up and line up so-and-so to watch the kids. And you plan it out. And say on Tuesday or Wednesday of the week before you say, Honey, we're going to go on a date Friday night. Well, who's going to watch the kids? Well, I've got that already taken care of. Right away, her heart will go, Really? And it will mean so much to her. Why? Because you were thinking about her. So when she plops in the car... And you say, hey, I've got a plan. We're going to go do this and that. Even if that isn't maybe what her number one thing is to do, it will mean so much because you were thinking about her. I mean, really, you were thinking about her. You called and got a babysitter. You, you actually planned this date? Wow. You know, you were thinking about me. Wives, say amen. Is that true? It is. Do you understand God is always thinking about us and he wants us to be thinking about him. And we lose our first love when we don't think about him. Number four, we need to keep moving. When I do not willingly and cheerfully give to God's work and the needs of others, I've left my first love. We'll just let that one stand alone. Number five, when I cease to treat every Christian as I would the Lord, I've left my first love. Do you know every brother or sister in Christ is a representative of Christ? And, and if it was Christ that was sitting right here, how would I treat him? But no, this is Larry Zern sitting right here. But as I treat him, I am treating Christ. And when I say, oh, Larry, he doesn't mean anything to me. I'm going back here to Jason. You know what? We don't say that out loud, but we say that by our actions. And when we do that, I'm not picking on Larry. It just comes with the front row seats. I think I'm going to change it. I'm going to start picking on the back row seats, okay? But when I do not treat people as I would Christ, we, we'd never give Christ a cold shoulder. We'd never say, oh, there's that nutcase, you know. I know you don't say it out loud, but... Okay, you get the point. The way we think about others, 
we've left our first love. When we cease to treat every Christian as I would the Lord. Number six, when I view the commands of Christ as restrictions to my happiness rather than expressions of his love. Oh, I've got to obey this command. Okay, honey, let's go on a date. I've got to take you on a date. I'd rather be golfing or watching that ball game or fishing or hunting. But if I'm going to be a good husband, I've got to take you on this date. Yeah, she'd be real happy, right? That's a lot of times how we obey God, isn't it? I don't feel like doing this, and I don't want to do it, and I don't know why. I'd rather be doing this or that. We've lost our first love. Number seven, when I inwardly strive for the acclaim of this world rather than the approval of the Lord... Who, whose desire are we trying to win? Who are we trying to please? Who, who are we living for? Number eight, when I fail to make Christ in His Word known because I fear rejection, I've left my first love. Number nine, when I have a complaining spirit, the Lord says, you're not complaining about this, you're complaining about me. My complaining, negative, griping, murmuring spirit shows that I've left my first love. What happens in many a marriage is all of a sudden, rather than seeing all the good things about our spouse, we start noticing, oh, they do that and I don't like that, and they do that and I don't like that. And pretty soon... We're focusing on the negative and the complaining. We've lost our first love. Number ten, when I am unable to forgive another for offending me, I have lost my first love. Let's just say that Kelly did something to offend offend me. And he... Let's just say that he's, I am sorry I did that. Will you forgive me? When I don't forgive, and even, you know what? Most offenses that come in our life, we need to just give them to God anyway. They that love God's law, Psalm 119, are not easily offended. But when I hold the grudge, when I will not forgive, you know what? There's nobody that can do anything to you or me that's as great as how we've offended God and He's forgiven us. So it should be easy for us to say, hey, no problem. You know, I've, I've offended others as well and I've needed forgiveness and God has forgiven me so much. I'm willing to forgive. Evidences that I've lost my first love. Well, what do I do about it? Number one, you need to check for, check for life. Am I spiritually alive? Am I a born-again follower of Jesus Christ? Not just have I prayed a prayer, but is there evidence in my life that there is spiritual life? Number two, he says here in Revelation, 
chapter 2 and verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you and quickly remove your lampstand from its place. Number two, we need to wake up to our true condition. I really, I really have lost my first love. On the back table, we printed out a list of 40 evidences that I may have lost my first love. If you're serious about this, I'd encourage you to pick up this sheet and go through it and say, before you sit down, sit, ask God's Spirit. God, I, as I go through this, I pray that you would help me to truly see myself as I am. I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my mind. And so, Lord, help me to see myself. As I said, they're on the back table. If you're truly serious about it, I'd encourage you to pick those up and go through it. That will awaken us to our true condition. You know, sad to say, in, in many marriages, some never wake up to the true condition of their marriage. I told you I loved you when we got married. That's good enough. I'll tell you when it changes. Uh, that isn't how it works. And, and we need a wake-up call. We need a wake-up call in our relationship with God. And then as we see it, then we need to repent and we need to turn. Okay, this is what I've been putting into my life. No, I need to turn to God. And God, I want to seek your forgiveness for not loving you first and foremost in my life. And then he says, repent and do the first works. Repent and seek his forgiveness and then just go back to the basics. The Christian life isn't all that complicated. Most of us, if we've lost our first love, we've quit doing the very basics of life. Time alone with him in his word. The more you really are in the Word, the more you're going to love Him. It's go back to the basics. What happened? You used to, your first love, you were excited. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Man, I was wretched. And God saved me and God forgave me. Wow, this is incredible. Now we can say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound wonder. Is Jason going to have us sing all six of these verses? Oh, yeah, second, third. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Bah, bah, bah. Do you understand? We need to go back to the basics and understand I was condemned and sentenced to hell. But God forgave me. That'll renew your first love. That God would love a sinner like me. My pride, my arrogance, my self-will. Amazing grace. And to go back and think about the first, that, that I can go to God and talk to Him in prayer. What a miracle. Man, there's always hope because of that. That I can go to God and talk to Him. God, thank you for prayer. Go back to the basics. 
Do the things that you did at first, Jesus is saying. Do you understand there are a lot of things in life that we can't control? And we won't answer for those things. But we can control our love for the Lord. And we will answer for that. You know what? We don't, we don't really need to pray, Lord, help me to love you more. I mean, what more can God do to, to have us love him? There's nothing more than, that he can do. It's up to us to go back and revisit what he's already done and revisit who he is and what he currently is doing. And the more we get to know him, the more you'll love him. Do you understand? It's not that way with people, is it? There's a lot of us, and all of us, the more you get to know them, the more you start seeing some flaws. And we all have those flaws. But the more you get to know God, the more you're going to see how wonderful He is. And one of the problems we have, it's, it's, I'll say it this way, and I hope you understand, It's pretty hard to sell people on Christ when we don't believe in the product. When we don't have joy, when we don't have a love for Jesus, it's hard to tell others how wonderful He is. And we can harangue people and guilt trip them. You ought to be witnessing. You ought to be doing this. You know what? If you really love someone, others know about it. See, I already noticed Shelby and Thomas scooted together there, right? I'm just teasing them, giving them a hard time. The the truth is, when you really love someone, it comes out. We as Christians... The problem is, we've left our first love. If we get back to our first love, you won't have to have people say, you ought to witness, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. Why? We love Him. We want others to know about that. It's evident. What we need, spiritual awakening, is coming back to our first love. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would make personal in our lives this truth and that we would come to know the joy of our first love with you. Lord, I ask that we would examine our lives and see the true condition of where we're at today. I pray that we would repent and seek your forgiveness for not loving you with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And Lord, that with joy we would love you 
and that we would fulfill the first and greatest commandment to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. Lord, I pray if there are any here today that are not sure they've ever trusted you for the forgiveness of sin, not sure they have spiritual life, Lord, I pray today that they would come to know the joy of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.